0: Hi hey there, and welcome to Travelog, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler. I'm Laura Redman, the Deputy Digital Director, and we're calling in from One World Trade Center, the podcast studio where we have really nice digs and a great team here today to talk about a major, major traveler franchise that's been going on for years. So I have in studio Aaron Florio, hi, our senior editor, and Lauren DiCarlo, deputy Hello. editor. And on the phone, we have Fiona Kerr, our features director, calling in from the UK. Hello. Hi. It's good to have you here. You sound like you're right in studio, too, which is thank you, modern (laughs) technology. (laughs) (laughs) But um, we're here to talk about something called the Gold List. And if you are only just listening to this thing for the very first time, um, the Gold List is one of three major franchises that Traveler has. Um, Does one of you want to kind of explain to our readers what the hell this thing is?
1: Sure. Gold is kind of one of the editors, I'd say, are one of our favorite stories, features to put together every year because it's our all-star, classic, favorite hotel lists. These are the places that we love. These are the places we can't stop talking about, the places we return to. They're the places that... When we get asked, what's your favorite hotel in this place or what's a a great hotel to book an entire trip around? These are the places that we go crazy for. So I think for us, it's sort of like the most personal, emotional list and like the the story that like we feel the biggest pull to every year.
0: And I'm sure there's some fierce debate over it, too. Yeah, like. We have the UK and the US teams kind of tackling it together this year, which mm-hmm. was really fun. And uh, you have, you know, everyone's been all over the world. But you know, how do you make a case for your gold list hotel or resort or cruise? There's all three, right, on the list.
1: Yes, Erin, a- you have strong opinions. Uh, well, you should. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, I think the, the debate always sort of starts. Relatively early on, and it's always a spirited and, and kind of a healthy debate. And this year, as you said, Laura, was the first time that we've done a collaborative list with the CNT team over in the UK, which was really interesting, actually, because we saw that there was a ton of crossover, which was very reassuring. But there was mm-hmm. also a lot of sort of geographical pulse points that were different between us mm-hmm. and between the UK team. So, for example... The U.S. readers and the U.S. editors are going big in places like Mexico and in the Caribbean, Hawaii. And the U.K. is sort of more plugged into, maybe a little more plugged into places like India, Mauritius, those sorts of areas. But what was nice Mm -hmm. as a result is we now have this great list that's truly collaborative and really covers a lot of the globe and lets a lot of the readers from both the U.K. market and the U.S. market sort of see a more diverse
0: list of properties than in the past that's great fiona how did the uk office uh how did it typically approach a gold list same way just we all get
3: yeah we all get down and um, put forward our favorite hotels there's, as they say there's always a lot of crossover like what makes a good hotel is is universal i think you know the the lot of the american team agreed with a lot of ours but then there's also a lot of kind of personal favorites i know there was a heated debate around which hotel in paris to include for example because melinda has her very much favorite hotel other people maybe prefer something bigger and grander, and then other people want a little boutique hideaway. So I think in those great big hotel cities, there's always a real fight around them. Um, But we eventually
0: come to some (laughs) conclusion. That's something I actually, I I really liked about this list. It seemed like there were a lot of boutique properties, a lot of places Mm. that had a ton of personality that were different than anything else in that respective city, something like I don't know, ETHAM in Stockholm that I feel like I've been reading about for Mm -hmm. years and it makes me want to go to Sweden just to stay there. But I don't know. Are there places like that for you guys that, you know, just truly stand out?
2: Yeah. Okay. One of the places I have to say, and this is not that unexpected because I think this is becomes one of everyone's favorite hotels when they stay there and it's almost one of those hotels even if you haven't stayed there you're inclined to put it on the list because you know how incredible it is is Lama Muni in Marrakesh Um, Mm -hmm. it's just I don't know that there's another hotel that is so synonymous I think I even wrote this in the copy but so synonymous (laughs) with the destination I mean it kind of You almost haven't been to Marrakech if you don't at least one time have one overnight in La Mamounia because it is so vital to the experience of that city from the traveler's point of view. And it's a very beautiful, grand, huge um, sort of urban resort. I mean, it's inside the Medina wall, so you can access the squares, you can access the Old Town walls, you can access the Medina more easily. Um, But it still has this sort of you've kind of escaped into your own little oasis feel. I mean the pool is so massive and so beautiful and it's almost annoying that it's so great because you kind of feel guilty spending all of your time there because really you're in Marrakesh and you kind of want to leave the hotel <laughs> and experience Marrakesh. <laughs> right. But the hotel's so great you kind of just want to stay at the hotel, which is a little bit of a weird um conflict that a traveler can have
1: sometimes but I think that's what makes this list I think that's part of like the secret sauce of this list. It's it's like you haven't been like Aaron, you said when you wrote that like in the copy for that write-up. It's like you almost haven't been to Marrakesh if you don't stay here. And I think there's like a lot of what we do with some of these is like the permission to just like stay in the hotel and like let the hotel just be the experience. Like maybe, Mm. you know, like when I went to, um, when I was in uh, Hotel Bel Air in LA, it's like that is the quintessential LA experience. It's like if you ever have this fantasy of what it's like to live a fabulous life in LA, it's living at Hotel Bel Air, these beautiful lush gardens, these incredibly designed bungalows. I mean, you really feel like you feel like a celebrity. You feel like, oh, my goodness, this is this is what that fantasy of living in L.A. is. And you get it for a couple of nights. Right. You might actually be staying yeah. next to a celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's And it's like, you know, maybe you don't get all over town and do all the things. And it's OK. You can hide out there and just yeah absorb it yeah that's a good point i think it's like when the when the hotel
2: can become a real reflection of the desk almost like a yeah. microcosm of the destination, exactly. yeah, destination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it completely nailed it yeah totally yeah
3: but i like that we're also not afraid to kind of like we've got the big grand and the clarages and the Creon, but you know to put up sort of some fucking newcomers on there as well you know like my one of my nominations was the amman in venice which isn't you know the oldest or the stateliest, you know, only opened in 2013, but it's really made a kind of splash in this sort of storied hotel city. Um, So it's kind of to offer surprise to the readers as well as that um, is quite fun.
0: What do you love about it, Fi?
3: It's just the most incredible building and they really scored with with it, you know, they found this palazzo that's right on the Grand Canal. You know, it's owned by Italian aristocracy who still live in it. So you get that oh, real well. feeling that you've gone to go live, you know, in the count's and countess's place, and it just happens to be serviced by one of the top hotel groups in the world. So you know, there's 23 bedrooms, but there's frescoes on the ceilings, and there's you know original you know silk curtains, and the views over the Grand Canal are just amazing. And I think they blocked out, what well, they looked for a long, long time for this beautiful spot that kind of trumped a lot of the other people <laughs> um, when it opened.
0: It really does kind of sound transporting. I mean, you can be a different version of yourself in some of these mm-hmm. places. You feel a little mm-hmm. bit like royalty, you feel like a celebrity, you're willing to stay on property the majority of the time, even if you are in Marrakesh, right? Right. But even
1: not, I mean, even like with the Carlisle, it's like, you know, Mm. you're not going to be spending all that much time in your hotel room, probably. But for the time that you're there, and for the time that you're having a drink at Bemelman's, I mean, you feel like this is the only place in New York that you want to be.
2: Yeah. And that's another good point, especially a bar like Bemelman's, even to New Yorkers, that's such a special place. And New Yorkers still go there on special occasions, or even if they're just up by Central Park. And when you have these hotels that also have this kind of, they have so much of the local kind of romance. Yeah, yeah. romance. Yeah, like
3: Paris like, like in London. Like, you know, I'd never stayed overnight there, but to go to the bar there is just such a kind of special occasion, London moment, sort of click, sort of across through the revolving doors and across that, that lobby.
1: Yeah. When you walk into a bar in a hotel and it's,
0: Ninety percent locals, you know you're in a good spot. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Do you feel like these places need to have a kind of centerpiece bar or restaurant or spa or something that kind of that the locals will be showing mm-hmm. up for. Is that a key part of a gold list property?
2: I think that, that's definitely a theme, but I don't think that that's a prerequisite. I think that happens to come along. with. it's a great place, the locals are going to like it too, yeah. so it comes with yeah, the Yeah, especially for
3: a city hotel. But there's some of the ones we included in London, like the Kensington, is not a sceney place. It's a little place that you consider a secret find. There's, there's kinda, you feel instantly more knowledgeable in a city to be like, oh, this is where I stay. So it doesn't have to have that. There are those kind of grand, bombastic scene setters, but there's also those kind of like little pockets that you know, you, you want to tell all your friends about, but kind of don't because you don't want anyone else staying
0: there. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Are we just like unveiling all of our secrets and kind of being like, oh, <laughs> oh, all right. So, okay. Are there cities or regions around the world that you feel like we're making a bigger play this year that all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, Bangkok is on this list a ton. You know, maybe I just outed Bangkok. Aaron, what do you think? Are mm-hmm. there...
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Bangkok is a good one to call out. It had two properties on our list this year. And we did have, compared to the list that the U.S. has run in the past, we really did have a much more tightly edited list this year. So to be on it was even more of um, a compliment to the hotel itself. So Bangkok getting two properties, both the Mandarin Oriental and the Siam, sort of said something. And I kind of like both of them because they both sort of speak to different sides of the city. I mean, the Mandarin... Oriental which started out as the Oriental in Bangkok which is the first one in the world is such a classic It is it's kind of like Lama Munir in Marrakesh like you kind of have to go there if you're in Bangkok It's it's top of the list of things to see do and places to stay Um, And then there's the Siam which is a little bit out of the way It was designed by Bill Bensley who's one of the great contemporary hotel designers over in Asia who lives in um, who lives in Bangkok And it's not terribly old, but it offers this really great modern counterpoint that kind of reflects the way Bangkok is headed right now, whereas the Bandarin kind of represents sort of that classic romantic old world Siam, you know, era Thailand. Um, so I think I think Bangkok is probably a good one to call out, and I and both of those hotels, even if you're not staying at either of them, I really recommend you go and just go have a drink or go tour the lobby because they really are great experiences, even if you're not overnighting.
3: Yeah, I like that when we we've kind of you know places we have included too because there is two stories to tell. Like in the Maldives, we've got the kind of classic the Sanau Fushi, which is that Robinson Crusoe thatched kind of. Look like you just made your stonking villa but out of stuff that's washed up on the beach, which you know kick-started that whole castaway vibe there. Mm-hmm. But then you've got hotels like Amelia Fushi, which is the complete opposite, is kind of like the Miami design, kind of white box on the beach, very shishi, you know. So we we kind of picked hotels that would you know because every destination doesn't just have one kind of story to tell. So it's quite nice to reflect those different angles.
2: Yeah, same with New York. I mean, having the Beekman and also having the St. Regis. I mean, it couldn't be sort of more opposite ends of sort of an era and a type of hotel and also literally the geography of the city,
0: like reflective of what those geographies for the city Mm -hmm. represent, too. So what does that look like? Is that kind of like an uptown to East Village feel? Like, what's the distinction?
1: Well, it's interesting because the Beekman, I mean, really was when that opened, it just kind of Invigorated this whole neighborhood down here. It, of course, there were things happening down here um, Where for the Dan's last year oh, Sorry, in, I'm looking in, out I'm the window. I'm literally <laughs> looking at we're the. We're looking Beak at the Beekman <laughs> uh, down in Lower Manhattan. Uh, you know, we're in the World Trade Center. We're overlooking the Oculus. The uh, every so much down here has been uh, built up, and there's been this energy in over the last couple of years down here. But when the Beekman came, it kind of Gave it this whole new... It gave it like a cachet yeah, of sorts that yeah. didn't exist. It's a beautiful hotel. You know, it had this atrium that had been covered for years and years and years. And as they renovated, they peeled back the layers and revealed this beautiful ironwork. You know, original, all this original architecture. And it's just, I mean, you have to see it. Just Google it. Image (laughs) and Google (laughs) (laughs) it. Look at the images because it's something. But but then the bar there, I mean, to have a bar in this neighborhood that you can walk into at six o'clock and it's already filled to capacity. I mean, that is with with creatives and, you know, tourists and locals, everyone is down here at that bar and it's really it's just it's it's incredible. It's a beautiful hotel. Um Two restaurants, Tom Colicchio, Keith McNally, it
0: really is like the epicenter of all things cool happening down here. When you think about how, I don't know, it's been almost 20 years since 9-11, but yeah. the fact that it can like, plant a stake and really help revitalize a neighborhood that was really kind of dire for yeah, a while. And have mm-hmm.
1: people from all different parts of New York City come down here, I mean, that would never have happened Mm-mm. 15 yeah. years ago. It's become a destination neighborhood, which it never
2: was.
0: Are there other hotels like that, maybe fee in the UK, that have helped revitalize a once sleepy neighborhood or kind of put it on the map for tourists?
3: Um, No, we didn't include one this year from London so much. But, you know, I think it's um, we had hotel groups that have kind of revitalized the scene. It's been going for a while, but Firmdale did that. They really sort of came in and punched up, you know, the the kind of classic London hotel scene with maximalist colors and funky, um, you know, mismatched patterns and it was very very different when they arrived on the scene and we've got one of their classics the covent garden hotel there um so i think you know it's not drawn a different crowd in terms of a neighborhood but in terms of a kind of design aesthetic they've kind of shifted quite a big way you've had a lot of kind of those townhouses um that have been done up with you know really over the top patterns and sort of things you don't think should work together that do.
2: Yeah, and this didn't actually make the the gold list, but it was definitely on the short list. But Firmdale also had that effect on Midtown Manhattan with the Whitby. Mm -hmm. Like the the colors, the splashes of colors. I mean, they just made the gray, dull Midtown
0: Manhattan so vibrant. They have such a knack for doing that. Mm -hmm. All right, so speaking of vibrant, let's talk about some island resorts for a few minutes. Or maybe... uh Maybe a little bit of Mauritius or um, Fee. I know you love yeah, the one and only there, right? I
3: waited the one and only, yeah. And that's another sort of theme I sort of saw sort of stand, come out a few times in this list is that, you know, we have included a lot of the kind of the classics, like like I said about Suneva Fishy, the people that started the scenes in places. But they're, they're not resting on their kind of well-lauded laurels. The, the one and only saint Germain had a massive refurb this year. We're still going out this year. And you know they they still they because they're the first in they have the best spot on the island they have this beautiful beach but they know that they can't just they, you know they have an, an insane repeat rate already they didn't need to change but they like the Cluny in Paris and you know and I think the Mandarin Oriental in Bangkok they know that to keep fresh and keep relevant and keep you know on top of that game they they had to inject something new but without scaring off and, and losing the essence of what they are which I think they've done really well. Um, they 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 are not going to scare away the the kind of the the couple in the seventies that have been there whatever <laughs> I can't remember fifty odd times, but they're going to attract a kind of their their kids and their grandkids to come back of their own accord as well. So I think I think it just shows how hard those classic hotels have to work still to make
0: the list. Now we we call them classics. Is it ever fair to use the term grand hotel for any of these? Do you feel like that? Yeah, you know, there was a great musical about grand hotels, the kind of almost palatial space that takes over a city that everyone goes to is the Carlisle, a grand hotel.
2: I mean, I'd say the Creon in Paris, Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Especially Um, after the
0: renovation, right?
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Claridges will always be that, you know.
0: And in New York, the New York equivalent we have on the
2: list would probably be the St. Regis, Mm -hmm. just because Mm -hmm. of its legacy. I mean, it was founded by the Astors. Um, It was sort of the first grand hotel at the turn of the century. Um, And for reasons like that, it will continue to be on the list because it has so much heritage and is so important Um, Mm. in a city that continues to change and continues to have this evolving and very modern and very, very cool and transcending hotel scene. It's nice to give a shout out to those classics that kind of pave the way for everything else.
0: Mm-hmm. But they're not fusty either. It's really nice to see these classics continue to kind of reinvent themselves, you mm-hmm. know, make upgrades. I think that um, that
1: kind of goes back to what Fi is saying about, um, you know, these these hotels that have been around forever that still kind of have that thing. You know, they still have that like sparkle that that we're all drawn to. Um, and it's because of like, you know, they really pay attention to what people Want and I think uh, you know. In addition to hotels, we also have cruises on our gold list, and I think that the cruise lines that we've highlighted also have that kind of like they're they're aware of what people want and they're changing and they're they're sort of like giving us what we want. They're not just staying still, and and because of that, we are attracted to Silver Sea Viking. You know, they're they're doing things that yeah. They still have that that integrity and that name and that that power, but, you know, they're not letting it.
2: Like, for example, one of the ships we have on the list this year is the Seabourn Encore, and they brought in Adam Tihani to do the interiors. So it is sort of, you know, modernizing something that you feel is classic, making it continue to be relevant, even though they're sort of established and they have the brand recognition.
0: Another one I loved was um, the Regent Seven Seas Explorer. It has this 2,500-piece almost art gallery across the ship you have picassos and chagalls lining yeah. the walls i mean mm-hmm. i don't know that you would necessarily expect that on or on a cruise ship in hotels i mean so many hotels are doubling down on design as we're saying and you know making it a calling card almost for the property itself but
3: yeah the, the big lines are kind of reacting to trends that happen across the sort of travel sphere like you know you know, hotels have got smaller often. So, you know, that crystals, the, the 62 passenger yacht, and then also that travelers have got more intrepid, you know, Silver Sea and their Silver Cloud, your know, expedition ship going to Antarctica. I think it's, you know, it's interesting to see cruise that cruise is kind of like following the same trends that we've seen in hotels.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say so many of the, people who do cruise and cruise often are some of the more intrepid travelers mm-hmm. and have some and of the best taste. Yeah. yeah, and and of course you're going to see these cruise lines step up and, and give people what they want,
0: what they expect, you know? Right, like you want a Thomas Keller reservation, you're going to get one exactly. on the seaboard. Exactly. If you can't get it at French Laundry or, you know, Crystal's doing the same thing with a number of its boats, the Nobu's. And let's see, there's there was a Crystal on our list this year, the... Crystal Esprit that mm-hmm. goes around the Seychelles. I don't know, the ones, yeah. the cruises honestly gave me the most wanderlust. Mm-hmm. There's a Viking one that goes from Sydney to Auckland that I was like, I'm just not gonna show up for work in January, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm hopping on that. <laughs> yeah, I know. But they're, they're really kind of like over the top itineraries, I, and again, not resting on their laurels. Like, right. Silver Sea's going to Antarctica for, gosh, 12 days, right? and yeah, like who wouldn't want to do that? Yeah. That sounds incredible. And are there places on this list that maybe you guys hadn't been to, but it inspired that kind of wanderlust in you that made you think, maybe I'll play on a trip there next year? Yes.
2: Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, um, where? Well, all of them, but uh, one in particular for me is Chablis, which has been such a favorite of mine, even though I've never been there, but I love the brand and I love what they're doing. They're this boutique, they're actually built as a wellness brand. In Mexico but the way they what they use as their platform as wellness is hotels so they're wellness first and hotel second which is a little bit strange it's a little bit of a flipping of the hierarchy but it's this boutique hotel on the Yucatan Peninsula outside of Merida it has cenotes it has a beautiful spa it's sort of like a modern hacienda and the team behind it it's a family-run team and they've just opened a new property um, on the Riviera Maya and they're going to open another one in Cabo uh, in a couple of years but they just have such a strong sense of purpose and of destination and it Mm. it just everything about it feels so tight and so boutique and so so grounded and focused that it really makes me want to go and just spend a week just at that hotel
3: Uh, yeah um, and for me, it reminded me, and i 'm going to sound like I such a failed travel journalist that I haven 't nearly need to go to Scandinavia and go to some of the Nordic destinations on our list it's been such a trend. Um, in terms of travellers and what we've been writing about for you know, a good few years now, you know, Denmark, Sweden, Iceland. Um, but sadly, I've not made it. So, you know, to get to, to, to Hotel Sanders, which just encapsulated such, such beautiful Danish design, or out to the Eleven Experience at uh, Deppler Farmhouse in Iceland, which is sort of all about the amazing landscapes and outdoors. Um, and it yeah,
1: reminded me that I needed to get up there, even though it's not that far from the UK. Yeah. I think for me, I mean, Deplar Farm is like ultimate top of my list. But mm. for, for me, after, you know, having worked at Traveler now for five years, you see that there are these the same properties that come up year after year after year. And for me, those are the ones that even if they're so close to home, like Amangiri or, you know, it's just those places that God, I got to get there. I just have mm-hmm. to get to these places that every year make the list.
0: Do you feel like um, these places for, you know, a number of people would be kind of of a lifetime, right? Yeah. Do you think? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, because, I mean, they're not, we wouldn't call them budget. <laughs> <laughs> but do you feel like once you're there, um, is the service high touch? Do you feel like you're being crowded or are, is that what makes a great gold list hotel is that you're being really well taken care of and you barely even realize it? I
3: think that that's is definitely a, yeah. the, the kind of the, that, that not noticing it. everything feels effortless, but flawless, but without ever kind of turning your head in a way that would be kind of intrusive on your holiday.
1: I think when they when the staff intuit everything you want before you even know you want it or need it, those are the places that kind of stick with us.
0: And things like the monogram pillowcases at the Carlisle. Uh, the like, nice <laughs> touch. They keep coming up. Glossy.
1: <laughs> you know, it's because it's just like these are for, it's just a fantasy. You know, it's like you go to a hotel to get away from everything in your life. And some places just nail it in the best possible way. I actually want to bring up one of the hotels that's on the list that i haven't spoken about yet but completely
2: lets you escape into this like glamorous other world living your best life that you are not actually involved with whatsoever is the four Seasons surf club in miami mm-hmm. which is in the north mm-hmm. which is in north beach so it's it's like worlds away from south beach both culturally and you know geographically it's it's, it's much farther away so if you're going to miami to do the sort of party all night long on south beach this is not the hotel for you but you Definitely, definitely want to make a detour to it. It is so old world and beautiful and glamorous. And it was built in the 1930s and it was sort of this Hollywood hideaway for Elizabeth Taylor. And, you know, Winston Churchill was there and all of these A-list politicians and celebrities. And they've just revived it last year. And between the bar and the restaurant and just the beautiful Spanish interiors, it just feels like you've stepped into this heyday of old-world Miami glamour that I haven't seen. I've been to Miami so many times, and I've never seen that captured the way that this place captures it.
0: And this is the place with the new uh, Le Sierra News restaurant, Yes, right? yep. so mm-hmm. brought over from um, Italy. So, I mean, you're making reservations well in advance. Yeah, is this place completely packed now? Is it recently redone? It's
2: pretty much... Since it opened Mm -hmm. over a year ago, it's pretty much been the place that everybody will tell you you need to go to for some reason or another if you're going to Miami. Okay.
3: Yeah, and it's interesting to see how quickly some places like that cement their place as a kind of gold standard classic. You wouldn't think that a hotel that opened within the last year, like, or in the UK, Heckfield Place, could make our gold list, which is supposed to be all time classics. But it is amazing how quickly the right hotel that just does everything, you know, on point can can
0: quickly cement their place on the scene. Are there any other spots you guys want to call out before we wrap up? I feel like we've given a lot of inspo to people listening.
1: I would say just use it as a checklist. Mm. Just go down the list. Mm. Yeah. Just check them off. It's They're all
2: fantastic. <laughs> yeah, the kids. if you haven't decided where you're going to go to in 2019, use this list as your starting
0: point and see which one you want to book a trip around. It'll be worth it. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. And if you're listening, you know, in transit on the subway and your head's spinning and you wish you had written down all of these awesome hotels and resorts and cruises, don't worry We're going to do it for you. We're putting it on cntraveler.com in our show notes. Uh, We publish a story every week about the podcast with the SoundCloud embedded. You can also find Travelog on iTunes, and you can find CN Traveler on all the social media. We are everywhere, except for Snapchat anymore, because who's on Snapchat? And Uh, (laughs) and also the full list of the gold list is available online. That's right, at uh, cntraveler.com and .co.uk gold hyphen list so I'd like to just go around real quick and say uh, where we can find you guys on social media if you don't mind giving us a handle that people can follow Aaron, let's start with you uh, you can find me on
2: Instagram at Aaron underscore Florio
0: great Lauren
1: uh, I'm on Instagram at El
0: DiCarlo Fiona I'm
1: also on Instagram at Fiona Care
0: and I'm on Instagram at Laura underscore Redman thanks and have a happy holiday